much. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. This message, I'm really praying it's going to help somebody here. I don't know who, but, you know, right now a lot of people are going through hard times. A lot of people are going through really hard times, trials, storms. And I want to preach a message that I believe God wants me to be able to help you through. And what I'm about to preach right now isn't theoretical. It's not something that I just got from the Bible. Some of this I've lived and my family have lived. And so what I'm going to say right now is also some experiences that I've had to go through personally. The title of my sermon is How to Make It Through the Storms of Life. It's a simple message. And when you hear it, you're going to go, I already knew that. But you know, I'm going to tell you something. It's really true what our fellowship says. We're leaky vessels. And um, sometimes when we're going through a storm, when we're going through a hard time, we forget this stuff. And that's why I'm doing it. To reinforce and to repeat what God's Word tells us about this. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27 says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house. And it fell, and great was its fall. Let's pray. Father, I pray for your help right now. God, I pray, God, you help me to be able to, God, articulate touching the people that you want to touch. God, you know those who are going through hard times, those who have been through hard times, and those who are about to go through hard times, Lord. I pray that your word, Lord God, would help them through this situation. In Jesus' name, amen. I've got three points, simple three points on that. And the first point is this. We must understand and accept the fact that hard times, trials, or storms are a part of life. Now, how's that for deep? Not deep at all. But you know what? A lot of people, they don't get that. A lot of people, they start going through hard times. Wait a minute here. I'm a Christian. Why is this happening? And that's where the problem starts. This scripture, the text it talks about this house. Well, it's talking about our lives. It's speaking about our personal life. It says, the storms of life, the winds, the rain, will beat upon the house or our lives. And it's not just talking about rain. It's talking about floods. You guys ever heard, when it rains, it pours? I'm not sure about you, but have you ever had it to where all of a sudden one thing happens and another thing happens? And you're like, what is going on here? You know, there's a saying also that says, says, if it's not one thing, it's another. Okay? And that's a saying of the world that the Bible is saying, be prepared for this. There's going to be storms. There's going to be wind that's going to hit your house. There's going to be rain that's going to hit your house. And then the rain's going to come, and it's going to be flooding rain. Be prepared. You say, but I'm a Christian. That shouldn't be happening. I gave my life to Christ. I'm a child of God now. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, the rain is going to fall on the just and the unjust. He gives us heads up. He tells us, in this world, that's going to happen. Perhaps you're in a storm right now, or you recently have been. John 16:33. it mentions that all of us are going to go through hard times, regardless if you're a Christian or not, regardless if you're rich or poor, regardless if you're young, all of us can go and will go through hard times. And why is that? The first reason is because this isn't heaven. <laughs> this isn't the Garden of Eden, if you haven't noticed. We're, we live in a fallen world. The Bible says that the God of this world, it isn't Jesus. The God of this world is Satan. And so because of that, it is a fallen world. And some people don't understand that doctrinally. And they get mad at God. Where is God? How come he's allowing this? How come he... We're going to get into that a little bit. 
But we first have to understand it's a fallen world. Some of it that happens to us, let's be honest, it's because of us. We've caused it. I can't believe, God, you did this. Wait a minute here. You're the one that stole the BMW. I mean, we blame everything on God. Even when it's our fault, we blame it on others. What about yourself? So let's be honest. Many of our trials and tribulations, it's because of us. But other trials, other storms, it's not because of us. It's totally out of our control. Maybe it's because of others. Or maybe it's just because there's a storm that's hitting your house, that's hitting your life, that's hitting your family. I believe this shaking that's going on right now in the world is escalating. And it's really increasing right now because of two reasons. One, Pastor Glenn alluded to part of it this morning. We live in a world that's getting worse and worse. It's getting more vulgar. And it's becoming more like the spirit of Antichrist on a continuous basis. And because of that, this thing is snowballing, getting worse. And the judgment of God, the divine judgment of God, is about to fall on this world. Because God is about to say, yeah. Just like in the days of Noah. Just like in the days of Son and Gomorrah. It's exactly what happened. And God said, no more. And our world is racing towards that. So why, is all, why are these things happening? Because we live in a fallen world that's declining and escalating in that decline very rapidly. But I want to also make it clear, it's also because God is causing some of these storms. Hebrews 12, 26 through 27, it says, Whatever can be shaken will be shaken. When you look at those scriptures and you read those on your own, what he's saying there is, whatever is not eternal, whatever is not, whatever is just carnal, Whatever is something that's not going to last is going to be shaken. The only thing that's going to last is what's on the rock, is what's eternal. Everything else is going to be shaken. Why, God? Why would you do that? One, 2 Peter 3.9, he says he doesn't want anybody to perish, but he wants everybody to come to repentance and to be saved. The other reason that's tied into that, is, let's be honest. Right now, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 25, he says the parable of the ten virgins. And he warns us, and he says half of the Christians are going to be asleep, and he's trying to wake up the church. He's trying to wake up those that are on the fence and have one foot in and one foot out. He loves you and me so much, he doesn't want us To fall. He doesn't want when the storms to come to have a great fall. He wants us to be standing. He wants us to be prepared. So when the rapture does happen, we aren't left behind. And secondly, the reason, besides what I just been saying, on, um, uh, on the fact that, that storms are a part of life, the second reason is God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Not sure if you've ever heard of that word. But in addition to falling or to being in a fallen world, we must also remember, remember and accept that God, he's a sovereign God. And if you look at what the scriptures or in the, in the dictionary, what that means, it basically is, it's a biblical teaching. And all it is, is God's the ruler of all. He's in charge of all things. He's in control of all things. And nothing happens without his permission. Even though we live in a fallen world, he allows things to happen. One, because there's purposes for it that sometimes we don't see. But God allows everything to happen. Those things that are in that are his control, sometimes um, he does it for one purpose or another that we'll get into. But it's not many times his perfect will. It's his permissive will. He'll permit you to do certain things. Because to teach you, so you can learn, so you can wake up, okay? It's not his perfect will, but things he still will allow. You know, you think about Job, okay? Job went through terrible times, hard times, 
and yet God allowed it. And it's critical, when you look at Job, it's critical that we understand and we accept that God allowed it. So many people don't accept it. So many people get angry. I've been there where I had to make the decision. Am I going to accept this? And a lot of people I see do not. See, when you accept it, you're really saying, I trust you, Jesus. No matter what's going to happen, I trust you. When you accept his sovereignty, I've actually seen it's liberating. It actually helps you. go, okay, God, you are in control. Whatever happens to me, happens to me. This world isn't my home. And so because of that, God, I'm just going to hand it over to you. And all of a sudden, you get your, your shoulders, they feel lighter. Your burden, your, everything that you're going through, it feels easier, and it's very liberating. In fact, in addition to accepting it, listen to this. The Bible doesn't even say we should just accept it. It says we should worship him. <laughs> Isn't that what Job did when Job went through hard times? Job 1, 20 through 22. It says, then Job, after he had lost a lot of his fortune and lost seven of his kids and three, seven of his boys and three of his daughters, Let's read this. It said, Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all of this, Job did not sin nor charge God, charge God with any wrong. Oh, my gosh. Every single, and I've read that so many times. And each time, it's convicting to me. How many people do we know? They lose a spouse. They lose a mom, a dad, a child. And all of a sudden, they get angry with God. They leave God. They get embittered. They're never the same. And yet here, Job, God permitted, allowed, his sovereignty allowed him to not, I mean, how, let's not even talk about children. How many people lose their job and lose the victory? How many people lose money? You know, you have a $100 bill and all of a sudden you lost it. And you totally lose the victory. Here, he lost his livelihood. All of his cattle, all of his agriculture, gone in a second. But that wasn't enough. Then, you, lo- you lose your ten kids, seven boys, And three girls. And the Bible says he did not charge God. He worshiped God. He accepted his sovereignty. How many of us do that? How many of us are doing that? How many of us, when we've gone through trials recently, how did you respond? We need to learn to discipline ourselves and accept them. Why? Well, I put down a couple points. One, because he's God. No matter what, you have to be able to say, you know what, God? Who am I to question you? You're God, and I'm going to accept it, and I'm going to worship you anyway. And so many people don't do that. But that is not easily said and done. But it's something that Job was a perfect example for us, too. Why should we accept it? For what we're going to learn how we will change and grow through the storm. So many times in storms, we don't understand there's a purpose behind it. So many times, we just grin and bear it and then move on. And God said, I wanted you to learn from this. I wanted you to change from this. I wanted to prepare you for something that I have for you. I want to be able to touch many people through what you're going to gather from this and how you're going to be changed and how you're going to be able to not just sympathize with somebody but empathize with it because you've lived through it. See, as we do this and we surrender to God's sovereignty, what are we doing? One, we're putting him first. We're allowing him, saying, God, all right, God, I surrender. You are the potter. I'm the clay. Mold me, God. This hurts a lot, God, but mold me. I'm going to allow you to do this. And the Bible says that as we do this, then I believe Romans 8.28 comes into play. 
He promises to cause all things to work together for the good. If you love him, worship him, accept it, and you follow his purposes. In other words, here's Romans 8.28, that scripture we love to quote all the time. And he's saying, if you allow me to have sovereignty over your life, to accept this, and not only to accept it, but to worship me, then I'm able to mold you and change you into something that maybe without this trial, you would never change into. Without this trial, you would never grow as you're about to start growing. And so you're not allowing God to take you to the next level because you aren't letting God be God. And God continues to try to change you in something. And many times, let's be honest, it's the trials of life, it's the storms of life where we really change, where we really improve. When things are going good, many times we stay the same. But when we go through hard times, God, the refiner, is changing us. We've got to allow him to do that. And then lastly, I told you this is going to be a very simple message. And then lastly, no matter what the storm is or how severe it is, don't let go of Jesus and others. You know, why is it that people, or probably better said, why is it that most people, when they go through a storm of life, they let go of Jesus? Our church would be packed out if it wasn't for this. Whenever people go through hard times, the vast majority of people leave Jesus. They leave their loved ones. They leave the brethren. Our text says that people may be hearing, but not doing. In other words, okay, they're not following Christ anymore. They get mad. They get tweaked. That's it. No more. I'm not going to do this anymore. I didn't sign up for this. Why is this happening? God, first, before you do this, answer some questions. And so, therefore, as you do that, now your house is no longer being founded on the rock. It's just being founded on the sand, and you're falling apart. Where God wants you to be able to stand, and the Bible says, listen, standing by doing not just having original foundation in Christ, but it's continuous. When you go through a hard time, yes, you should be standing because you already built your life on Christ. But if all of a sudden you stop doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're just hearing. Maybe you're coming to church, but you're no longer doing it anymore. And you wonder why your, wife, your life is crumbling right now. You wonder right now why you're going through what you're going through and you're just not making it. And God is saying, Job... Look at his example. He held on to God. He held on to his integrity. He continued to do what he knew he had to do. And because of that, he stayed standing. See, when we're in the middle of the storm, it really is hard to understand why it's happening. So many times we run into questions. And I want to tell you something. One thing I've learned is when you don't know why things are happening, when you're confused, don't gravitate and dwell on the unknown or the questions. Don't go there. When you see and you, when you, actually when you can't see and you're wondering, why is this happening? It's not fair. And everything else, don't go there. When you don't know what's going on, you gravitate to the known. And what's the known? God, I don't know why this is going on, but I know that you died for me. I know that you love me. I know that you forgave me of my sins. I know that you wrote my name in the book of life. I know that you're coming back for me. I know that this world isn't all that there is. And I know that I've got a reward from you. And you hold on to that. Don't go where you don't know. Gravitate where you do know. You know, it's easy to get into a crisis of faith. Because of these situations. It's easy to, even to listen to this, to get into a crisis of faith. I was talking to my wife at lunch about this. To get a, into a crisis of faith, even when you start going through this, and all of a sudden, you start looking at scriptures, and you go, God is going to deliver us from this. 
and you start accepting and, and, and marrying to yourself, embracing scriptures, uh, you think, for sure I'm going to be delivered. For sure God's going to do this for me. And listen, it's great to believe in scripture. It's what we have to, okay? But if for whatever reason it doesn't happen the way you think it is, if that scripture that you happen to pick out and you think for sure God's going to deliver me, God, you promised, and it doesn't happen, how are you going to react? What are you going to do? At that point, you have to be able to say, I don't understand, God. I don't know, but I'm going to dwell on what I do know. And what is that again? Jesus, I know you died for me. Jesus, I know you love me. Jesus, I know that you forgave me of my sins. My name is written in the book of life, so I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to gravitate and start questioning why. You know, when those scriptures don't come to pass, there's a scripture in Proverbs, and it's in 13.12. Proverbs 13.12, it says, hope defers makes the heart sick. In other words, when those scriptures don't happen, you can be despondent. You can be sad, depressed, and all of a sudden... You can have it to where I don't want to read scripture anymore. Or you don't read certain scriptures anymore. And you go and, and, and it's real easy to fall into that trap. This is really dangerous since the devil's always trying to get us to stop believing. Our feelings are always trying to get us to be confused. Why is this happening, God? Why did you allow this to happen, God? Hey, God, where are you? Aren't you omniscient, God? Where are you in this situation, God? And it's right here that many people fall prey to bitterness, to resentment, and anger at God. I think about Job's wife. After they lost everything, and then not only losing everything... Not only losing their children, but seeing her husband boils from the head to the sole of his feet. What does his wife say? And does this remind you of something? His wife, Job 1, Job 2, 9. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Ever been there where you get mad at God okay, and you say things that you shouldn't say? Maybe even cursing God? People then turn their backs on God, the one who loves them, and really the one that has their best interests at heart and has a wonderful plan for them, wants to be able to use this circumstance Seize ahead and use this circumstance to better them, to help them, to help them to be a better husband, a better father, better mother, better Christian. But all they're doing is cursing God. It's not fair. And they missed what Jesus is trying to do. Besides holding on to Jesus, we need to hold on to others. It's real easy in these situations to just back away from everything. I don't want anything. I don't want church. I don't want God. I don't want anybody. I don't want my family. I, don't want, I just want to be left alone. The Bible says in Ecclesiastics, a scripture that we have to know. But let me first make this statement. Jesus is not enough. In other words... He made us to have relationship. Yes, Jesus is my salvation, and he's enough for my salvation. But to make it through storms, we need other people. We need each other. All I need is Jesus. That's not true. When you get in hard times, you would be ill-advised to say, I don't need church. I don't need pastor. I don't need my brethren. I don't, you know, even my mom and dad made me mad. My brothers, my sisters, I don't need anybody. Ecclesiastics 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. 
For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. A threefold cord is not easily broken. What the Bible is, is telling us there through the Holy Spirit is, don't go it alone. Okay, fine, I get it. I'm just going to hold on to Jesus. Me and Jesus. The Bible is saying, you need others. You need to have people that are going to be your support. And without that, you're not going to make it. You know, I couldn't have made it without others. I couldn't have made it without my wonderful wife, without my son, without my brothers and my sisters, without my pastor, without my brethren. I look back on what I've gone through in the last years, and boy, I thank God so much for the support that I got from you all, from the support I got from my loved ones. I thank God for Jesus, guys. What I'm telling you here, I actually did. I can tell you stories, and I'm about to say a couple of stories. But I would be lying to you if I told you that all I needed was Jesus. It's not true. If it wasn't for Sandra, if it wasn't for Jonathan, if it wasn't for my brothers, my sisters, my wonderful brothers and sisters, if it wasn't for Pastor, if it wasn't for many of you guys, who knows? And so I am so grateful. And so what I'm telling you is I'm able to stand here right now because I held on to Jesus and I held on to my loved ones. The devil would have you to just say, no, I don't need anyone else. And I thank God. I thank God I didn't listen to the devil. I thank God I didn't listen to my feelings. I thank God I held on to what the word of God says. And even though my flesh and other things were saying to do other things, I just said, no, I'm going to stand on the word of God. And I'm here today because of it. And so many people are here today because of it. I think about the heroes of the faith. And I'm about to get into that right now. But let me first just throw in a couple stories. You know, i got to tell you. I remember um, my mom. You know, it was real hard for me what we went through with my mom. My mom was only 65 years old. Some of you guys uh, met her. And so when she went through what she went through, it was very, very hard for us. You know, and then thank God she's in heaven, but it was a very hard ordeal of, of uh, that hospital staff infection and those nine months of literal hell. And then my dad, immediately after that, for years we tried to witness to him. And my dad, real hard-headed, didn't listen. He'd come to church, <laughs> and, um, but only came to church because he wanted to have lunch afterwards. But I didn't mind. It, whatever it took, you know. And um, so my dad, my mom would say, son, your, mom, your dad's never going to get saved. He's just not listening. Seventy-six years. And still, my mom would say, he still doesn't get it. And, you know, we witnessed to him for so many years, decades. And all of a sudden, a storm came. Prostate cancer hit him very hard. And... It just was a difficult, difficult situation. But out of that hard situation, he got saved. Out of that hard situation, we had an opportunity to be able to have some very in-depth conversations with him. And I can tell you so fondly, so many stories of how he got touched. I remember he told my sister, said, why didn't I do this earlier? Yeah, why didn't you do it earlier? And... um about so many stories, you know, and how he started getting a softer heart and forgiveness. And if it wasn't for that storm and that we embraced and that we shared with him, and we had just been through storms before that with my mom and other things, we had never, we could never have gone through that. I remember, you know, when I went to prison. And I'm not going to lie to you. I never thought I would be in that situation. I thought within a shadow of a doubt that the information that we were going to take to trial was going to exonerate me. I never thought that they were never going to allow that information. And it was very difficult. I mean, and even before that, to be able to have to go through 
an indictment. I had never been in trouble for anything. And then to have to go through that perp walk. And I came out on TV and, you know, when I went to prison, hey, what's going on, Lopez? They already knew me because I'd been on TV for two years. It's not good. And um, so I got to tell you that even though I had never been in that situation, yeah, um, when I went to prison, because I had already said, okay, God, you have allowed this to happen. You're sovereign, God. And so because of that, you have your way. And I'm not going to be in there moping. I'm not going to be in there questioning. God, use me for whatever purposes you have. And it was so liberating that when I went there, and Sandra would get mad at me. Because I would say, I'm running out of time. I mean, I'm talking to this person doing this and doing this. Time was flying. It's not flying, Ernie. All right, sorry, honey. And two weeks after I got into prison, they threw me in the hole. It's called the, the SHU, the Segregated Housing Unit. And as some guys who are in here uh, who have been in prison, you're not supposed to be thrown in the hole if you're a Christian. And what happened was, here I was, I was talking to somebody, and one of the inmates comes up to me. And he says, hey, uh, Ernie, um, I don't know why, but your co-defendant just finished getting put in the prison with you, in the same cell area. And I said, my co-defendant? That's not supposed to happen. He goes, yeah, I know. And he says, Ernie, don't beat him up, man. Just, just leave him alone. Just don't beat him up. And I said, David, you don't know me. I've forgiven him in my heart, let go of all of this stuff, and so I'm moving on. And God has a purpose. I don't know what, but moving on. So I went to the cell area, and, um, and my co-defendant comes up to me. And uh, it was not the one you're – and not my boss. It was another guy. And he starts trying to talk to me. And so I told him, I said, listen – you know, I don't know why you're here, but, um, you know, and this guy had um, in court said some things he shouldn't have said and not true and so on. So, you know, I was like, you know, if you're here, so um, I don't know why, but you know what? Let's just serve our time. And I really don't want to have a big old friendship and relationship. I'm just going to, you know, just move on. And the guy starts chasing me to the restroom. And as I'm in the restroom, come on, early man, let's talk. And, this, and I say, listen. For all I know, I'm going to be fighting this thing and appealing. For all I know, you know, you can be, who knows, trying to do whatever agenda. Uh, so I'd rather not. And all of a sudden, a, a uh, correction officer passes by. What's going on here? And uh, I said, no, nothing. What is going on here? Well, my co-defendant's here. He goes, you're what? He goes, he's not supposed to be. I said, well, that's what I thought. Let's go talk to the lieutenant. So we go and talk to the lieutenant. And um, the lieutenant just is dumbfounded why it's happening. And I go, can I go back now to my area? He goes, no, no, I'm going to put both of you guys into the hole. And I go, um, why me? I've been here for two weeks. He just got here. I didn't know what the hole was, but it doesn't sound good to me. <laughs> and we were in the big prison now. And, and it wasn't a good sight. It was, you know, it was, it was not good. And um, so next thing you know, didn't give me any kind of an opportunity to push back, whatever. And he puts me in there. And so I'm in the hole for five days and five nights. And the lights are always on, screaming going on all the time. Guys who have been in there for a while, you hear all sorts of stuff going on. And um, so at the very beginning, I asked for a Bible. I thought, okay, God, I don't know what's going on here. And, um, but you know what, God? You know what you're doing and whatever you want, God. I'm going to worship you. I got time. So I'm just, you know, there's nobody else out. There's just me and you guys. So I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get a Bible. And, man, I'm going to be able to read a lot. And so I asked for a Bible. And we'll see what we can do. Next thing you know, they throw a book in there. And it's a beautiful black woman, handsome man, and like a priest. And it's some religious book. um, Or it's some like Harlequin or something. You know, Samson and Delilah. And I said, uh, excuse me, sir, I asked for a Bible. That's all you're going to get. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so, like, all right, God, you know. And so I just start just praying, and two days pass. And all sorts of things are happening in there, and it's a mess in there. And all of a sudden, on the third day, the gates open up, and they throw this guy in there, and he's got bloody knuckles. And I said, man, what happened to you? He goes, i got a problem with temper, and I keep on getting in fights. (laughs) 
Now, before he had come in, I must tell you, when I first walked in, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I, I didn't like the scene at all. And on the wall, there's plaster. And on the plaster, I knew, hey, that looks like a, a demon. I mean, on the plaster, it's not like somebody painted it. It's like when they were plastered, it just, it just happened. And I'm looking, I'm going, Ernie, hold on to your head, man. Come on, come on, think. You're, you're, you're losing it, you know? And I no, that doesn't. Okay, shut up, Ernie. You're, you're losing it. Well, when that guy came in, you know, and he came in was bloody, and, and I'm like, you know, I just got to tell you this. I used to have a temper as well, but Jesus set me free. And I started just sharing with him how God had taken away my temper, and I had a short fuse, and I would get into fights, etc. Within three hours, he gets saved, gloriously saved, okay? And within, I want to say, five minutes after that, the guard says, hey, here's your Bible. He throws the Bible in there. I didn't ask for it. At that time. And for the next two and a half days, we read the Bible together. And I am telling you, we had such a glorious, because it was a captive audience. He couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> and I can tell you story after story after story about that. You know, where Pastor um, Stevens, he goes to some of our churches in Texas, and some of the guys that prayed with me in prison are going to some of our churches and have been baptized in some of our churches. I'm nobody special. I'm just telling you, all I did is, hey, God, I understand and accept that hard times come. Storms are going to happen. There's going to be trials. God, you're sovereign. And you allow things to happen. And you've allowed this to happen, God. And I'm going to accept it. And I'm not going to hold on. I'm not going to let go of you, Lord. I'm not going to let go of my loved ones. I'm not going to let go of my church. I'm not going to let go of all the things that I know I should be holding on to. And God allowed me to be here with you all. God allowed me to have the privilege to be able to be of service to you all. And it's the greatest job in the world. I never thought I would be doing it. And let's be honest, if it wasn't for this situation, I wouldn't be doing it because of whatever reason. You know, it just it wouldn't have happened. But God is able if we allow ourselves and say, God, I'm going to embrace this trial. If right now you aren't going through a trial, thank God. But I'm going to tell you something. You will be. I'm not trying to prophesy, but Jesus said we'll all be going through trials. There are heroes of faith that the Bible speaks about. We already talked about Job. We look at Hebrews eleven twelve says the cl- great cloud of witnesses. Joseph sold into slavery. And if there was anybody that should have got mad at God and said, why God? Shouldn't it have been Joseph? But he didn't. And because he kept a good attitude and he stayed in prison got accused of doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing um, with a woman, right? Potiphar's wife. They threw him in prison, and he kept a good attitude. But because of that, he was able to come out of that, and God saved many people through him. But it only happened because he said, God, you're sovereign. Things happen. You allowed this to happen. And God, I'm going to make the best of it. I'm going to hold on to you. And he didn't get mad as his brothers. He didn't get mad and his loved ones. In fact, he forgave them, and because of that, we have the nation of Israel. I think back about several people that I see in this church. You guys are my heroes. In fact, I can't mention everybody, but what you guys have gone through. I think about Pastor Warner. Golly, Pastor Warner should have a chip on his shoulder that's a boulder. Pastor Warner should be There's people who get mad. If anybody should be getting mad, it's him. And yet, he didn't. He embraced it. Hey, God, you're sovereign. You allowed this to happen, God. And God, I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to love others. And look at this church is here because of his embracing of the storm, embracing of the sovereignty of God, and holding on to Jesus. I think about in this church, And I'm just going to mention one name, but I can mention many others before I close. One of my heroes is the Reina family. When I think about Rick and Mary and Dr. Rick, and I think about everything that they've been through, 
And I've been intimately involved with that family for many years. And I know what they went through with their son. I know everything and how, or how arduous it was, how long it was. And then to lose your wonderful son, Nick, then Mary and what she's been through, and Rick and holding on to Jesus, holding on to his wife, holding on to his destiny and his purpose, and now helping us in so many ways. And there's other people in here as well. You guys are my heroes. God, the rest of the story hasn't been written. It's being written as we speak. There's a cloud of witnesses saying, hold on. There's a cloud of witnesses saying, embrace this trial. Don't let go of Jesus. Don't let go of your brethren. Don't let go of church. Don't let go of your loved ones. Let me change you and let me mold you into the purpose and the destiny that I have for you. Amen? Amen. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed, please. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you so much, Lord. God, you are a good God, and you do have our best interests at heart, Lord. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, God, your will be done right now. Your comfort, Lord God, your strength, Lord, your revelation, my God, in Jesus' name. If there's anybody here, and you maybe are going through hard times, and you haven't heard this before, or you just need Jesus, Jesus is here for you. He died on the cross for you. He rose from the dead. He wants to save you from your sin. Many times we make all sorts of trials by our own doing. Been there, done that. And God wants to forgive you. No matter what you've done, God wants to forgive you. He loves you and he died for you. If you're here right now and you want to give your life to Christ, there's hope. And the message of hope is this. That no matter what you've done, God wants to forgive you. God wants to save you. God wants to help you in this trial that you're going through right now. If that's you right now and you want God's help, raise your hand to Jesus and say, God, forgive me. God, save me. God, I need you. Raise your hand to Jesus. Who's here right now? Who wants to accept Christ as your Lord, as your Savior? In Jesus' name. Anybody here, raise up your hand. From left to right, from back to right, back to front. Anybody here want to get saved? Anybody here ready to give your life to Jesus? Or you're backslidden. You've turned your back on God. And perhaps some of the trials that you're going through right now, well, are some of it because of your own doing. Or some of it because of other people's doing. Or some of it just because of the storms of life. Either way, and you've turned your back on God. Can I tell you something? Even if you've cursed God, even if you've gotten mad at God, even if you have been resentful towards God, He wants to forgive you. He loves you. And He's calling you back. If you're not saved, or if you're backslidden right now, and exactly, I don't know if I'm talking to one person right now, or two people, or more, but I know that God is speaking to somebody right now. And if that's you, listen, God wants to help you. God wants to be able to take you out of that hole you're in right now. You've got to be able to uh, surrender. You've got to be able to allow him to be God in your life. Ask him to forgive you right now. And he's going to touch you and he's going to heal you of your broken heart. Anybody here, you're not saved or you're backslidden. Anybody here, raise your hand to God. I see that hand. Thank you for that honesty, sister. Anybody else? You've turned your back on God. You've gotten mad at God. You've said some things you shouldn't have said. You let go of Jesus. You let go of the brethren. You even let go of some of your own loved ones. And you know you're wrong. And you want to be able to change and to repent from that. Anybody else going to join this honest heart? Anybody else? Anybody else? I see that honest heart. Thank you for that, brother. Anybody else? Anybody else? God wants to heal you. God wants to restore you. And God wants to improve you and put you in his perfect plan for your life. Anybody else? 
Anybody else? For those who raise their hands, come forward. I want to pray for you. Come on. Come on, sister. Come forward. Come on, brother. Come forward. For the rest of you, every head bowed and every eye closed. Listen, I know how easy it is to get into the unknown and to start questioning. God, why? God, where are you? And sometimes you say things and you do things that are wrong. God is a good God, always. God has your best interest at heart. There's people who have gone before you, heroes of the faith, just in Hebrews 11:12, but even in this church that could tell you it's going to be okay. God is going to help you. And you know what? Even if some things don't ever be restored, this world is not our home. This is a testing ground. And that test is this. Are you going to hold on to God no matter what? Are you going to hold on to your loved ones, to your church, to your pastor, to your brethren, no matter what? Are you going to say, God, no matter what I go through, Lord, I know what I need to do. I know that you died for me. You wrote my name in the book of life. And because of that, God, I'm not, God, to be, going to be, allow myself to be embittered and angry. If that's you, I want you and the rest of us, I want us, I'm going to open up this altar right now. I want you to talk to God. I believe that God is speaking to some people. Let's go ahead and pray. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, my God. Hallelujah, Lord. Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I praise you, God. I thank you, Lord God. God, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God, you are with us in the storm, God. Thank you, my God. Thank you, my God. You are always with us. You are faithful even when we're not faithful, Lord. Thank you, my God. We praise you, God. We thank you, my God. God, you are sovereign, Lord. God, do with us as you will, Lord. No matter what, God, we hold on to you, my God. Hold on to our integrity, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, my God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, my God. You are worthy, Lord God, of our loyalty. You are worthy, God, of our faithfulness, Lord. In Jesus' name. Jesus, thank you, my God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, my God. In Jesus' name, Lord, touch your people, Lord God. I pray for decisions, God, that are eternal. I pray, God, you mold them unto your image. You have your purpose and your destiny accomplished upon their lives, my God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, my God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, thank you, my God. Thank you, my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, my God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'd like to have everybody stand to your feet, if I may. The scripture that I had mentioned earlier in Hebrews, there's a shaking that's going on in the world. And I believe that that shaking is going to get more intense, not only by what Pastor Glenn preached on this morning. And that vulgarity is increasing, increasing and increasing spirit of Antichrist. But also I believe it's because God is trying to say, prepare yourself, get on the right side, get off the fence, wake up, because I want a bride that's ready. I want a bride 
that has sanctified herself, separated herself, and no longer is part of the world. And we have to be able to say, God, do with me as you will. I want to be ready, God. I don't want to be playing games. I don't want to be halfway. I don't want to be lukewarm. And God is having both of those forces working simultaneously to have a bride that's ready. You guys hear what I'm saying? Do you want to be that bride that's ready? Do you want to be the remnant? Do you want to be the five wise virgins? Pray with me this. Say, Lord, you have your way. You are sovereign. I accept your sovereignty. Forgive me for the things I've said, my attitude, when I've gone through hard times. You're worthy, God, for me to be loyal to you, no matter what. I thank you because you are God. You are a good God. And I'm going to hold on to you, my loved ones, my church, my brethren. In Jesus' name, I commit that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, my God. Thank you, my God. Thank you, my God. Thank you. Thank you, my God. Thank you, my God. Thank you, my Lord. Thank you, my God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I thank you, my God. I thank you and I praise you, Lord. Rolo Rabababasha. Shaba Rabababasha. Rolo Ra. Thank you, my God. Thank you, my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got to tell you a funny story. So I told you about how I walked into the shoe and I found that plaster, right? So on the fifth day, when I was going to be released, before I walk out, I said, Pedro, I got to ask you a question. He goes, yeah, Ernie, what's up? I said, what do you see in that plaster? He goes, wow, man, that's a demon. I said, okay. True story. True story. I wasn't going crazy. (laughs) And you know the other thing about it that's pretty funny, guys, is when I started coming back to church here, I um, got talked to by several people from our church, people who had been in prison. And they said, Ernie, we got to talk to you. And I said, okay, what's up? And they go, you know. You've never been in trouble or anything, and we really couldn't relate to you. But now you're one of us, man. Let's talk, man. <laughs> and can I tell you something? A lot of my time now, a lot of my time, it was with people now who are coming out of prison, and I'm having a great time. I mean, it's a blessing. And before, I couldn't relate to those things. And now, I'm starting to see. I still don't understand the whole picture. But I'm starting to see more and more things just because I embraced it. And I thank God for it. God has wonderful plans for you. Don't get mad at God. Don't reject it. Say, God, you mold me. You shape me to your perfect image, to your perfect destiny for my life. Amen? All right. I'm going to have, please, Brother uh, Luke uh, Sr. close us in prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you.